0: You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world. With your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at Remax Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at Remax Advantage Plus. What, well, gentlemen? Uh, Andy's got lots of. Uh um what are those things leprechauns uh
1: three leave
2: overs
0: little andy uh little andy's having some technical difficulties there on his uh yeah
2: take that his,
0: andy yeah. trying to fix that quick <laughs> Come on. take me off screen now, quick. oh we got we gotta get rid of him oh <laughs> uh Nick, a lot of people are asking me how the heck you're doing over there and what's happening uh, in little, well, you're in Poland, but obviously you're pretty close to what's going on.
2: Um, everything is uh, pretty okay. The sun has came out. Uh, people seem pretty happy. More refugees are coming in to, to my city, which is on the border of Poland and Belarus. But uh, not too much worry here at all.
0: I think that's really interesting because everyone back here is like – scared to death of everyone and it's like it's going crazy but you guys i mean just being that close to it aren't really seeing much at all are you
2: yeah nothing yeah
0: we're just talking about uh, your homeland Andy. oh yeah yeah that's
2: good yeah
0: i appreciate uh, you guys doing that he's not he doesn't look like he's got camo on yet so i think he's doing okay Well,
1: more importantly, uh, Chris, why do leprechauns go outside?
0: Oh, why?
1: To sit on their patio. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what's, a, what's a leprechaun's <laughs> favorite type of music?
0: Oh, jeez! Sham, rock, favorite and roll. Favorite type of music, yeah.
1: Sham, rock, and roll. What is it? Sham, yeah, rock,
0: rock, and roll. roll. Hey, do you ever watch Aerial America on the Smithsonian channel? No. I
1: don't know, that's I don't know if we cool. actually get Smithsonian.
0: Yeah, if you you should see it. I mean, you won't believe. I mean, there is a lot of everyone thinks hey, I got to go to Paris and France and yeah, uh Poland and all these other places to find some amazing things, but they're right here in America, but if you watch that, uh that's what okay. I'm doing. That's that's going to be on my travels. I got to well, go to the post coast now. Well, thank you for the tip. You're welcome. Yep. So you, uh,
1: you, you do know what they call an Irish spider, though, don't you? Oh no,
0: an Irish patty spider. long legs. Patty long legs, of course.
1: All right, I'm sorry. Is this
0: is quick. this all day? All day yeah. we're doing this.
1: I've only got a hundred of my uh, my uh, shamrock style.
0: You've started I got Irish already. Irish blood in
1: me, though. I suppose you're about what ninety eight percent solid Irish blood.
0: I'm pretty much a mutt, but I do have some Irish wow. blood in me. Yep. Yeah. But no, no Irish, no green on today. I got a, I got a f- few closings, and I gotta get uh, some showings done. So. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, like, hey, how did yeah. the parade go?
1: I, I got to be honest with you. I have never had that much traffic in the first two days of the parade. What in, in the 22 years I've done it? Wow. It was it was insane. I had I bet you. You think I had you just
0: on... you think you're just clouded because of what COVID was, because we've been playing with parades through COVID for a couple of years now.
1: Well, I also know people walk in and you tell them that the price of the model six hundred and thirty nine thousand, and they they throw up a little bit, and then they yeah. So I have a garbage can. I go okay, ready, and then you tell them the price of the models, and then they <gasps> and they go, oh my god, they went up two hundred grand, and I'm like, well. Should I said, you know, the good strategy is, you know, always when you're sitting in a new construction build where you're always just a little bit higher than the existing market, I say a lot of homes, probably yours included appreciated at a pretty ridiculous rate to your favor. So, you know, at the same rate, you know, new construction went up with inflation. You made more money on your existing house, but here's the best part. You still have money on sale. If you need to borrow money. Number two, you, you get your first year where you pay lot taxes instead of property taxes. And number three, you get the maximum life out of every product that's in that house because it's all brand new and under warranty. And then most people go, you know what? That's worth something to us. I mean, you know, if, if you're Indeed. you know, heading into your senior years and you don't want to sit there being a, a full-time maintenance person taking care of a house that's a 1970s model or whatever when it was built. Beautiful house, you maybe you like the neighborhood, you feel nostalgic staying there, you raised your kids there. But at some point in time, I'm starting to see where people are detaching um from that nostalgia and saying, We we gotta live our lives too, get into a one-level living situation and uh you know, or, or two stories. That's the other thing. My goodness, are we building a lot of big two stories?
0: So yeah. you know, yeah. and I think with the two stories too, uh kind of trying to think of how to keep a uh price down you know you can create and do and i mean everyone thinks okay hey i want that main floor bedroom and i want it because i'm thinking about later on that i'm not going to be able Mm -hmm. to walk the steps or whatever but we've done um some houses where we've set aside space for an elevator to be able to kind of bring you up and down on that kind of thing and those elevators i mean before now i don't even know what they cost now but um they were not that bad they're not that bad to install if you're kind of ready for them and yeah. you can get all different um, types of elevators, too. I mean, if it's one that's in the IBS tower, that's a lot different than if you're just going, you know, from your lower level walkout up to your second story. So, right. right. But you I really was,
1: have to excavate and put in footings. And, you know, yeah. like if you're talking new construction, Chris, that's a, actually a, a fantastic point. You can make that an extra closet, for example, on each floor. And then if someday you choose to take advantage of that, put that in there, you engineer it so that it's ready. You cut out the floors, you drop in the stuff, you put on some doors and you're set. Um, that's a pretty smart strategy because most people have to retrofit their house where they go on the exterior of the house and actually build the elevator shaft on the outside of the house. Yeah. So,
0: so t- Andy, what's the temperature? All those people that, what is the temperature of them with what prices are doing and with how uncertainty of what it's going to cost them to build and how long it's going to cost them to build or how long it's going to take to build.
1: Nobody seems to care about the build cycle because I think that there's actually advantages to that too. When you have a one-year build cycle, you actually get to that point of where um, you can take your time, pick your colors. The market that's going so fast all of a sudden kind of slows down. You lock in your price, you lock in your selections, and it's a patience game, of course, but You know, everybody right now wants to be in by Christmas or by the holidays or by the time school starts. And when you tell them that they're going to be in next year this time, they almost go, you know, that wouldn't be so bad either. Because maybe we won't sell our existing house until the spring of next year. You know, knowing that our new house will be ready like 12 months from now. And they just time it because you it actually there's 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 you know, I always say there's optimism or there's pessimism. Right. I like to take the optimistic route and, um, you know, just really try to spin it in a positive way. So, and a lot of lenders now too, Chris, are taking and giving a, a 360 day lock. Now, granted, it costs you three quarters of a point, but it it's still for peace of mind. And then they'll let you float it down one time in the last 30 days before you close. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of cool products out there to make you feel better too.
0: You know, you said you like to spin it. And I don't, I, I look at like spinning it as like you, you're just trying to show them, Maybe a different way or a sales trick, but you're really not. You're totally being honest because everything you just said was totally right on that. All of those things that you said with that, they are getting a lot more for their house. They are getting something that's brand new, exactly what they want. And the fact that they don't have maintenance for probably 10, 15 years minimum. I mean, we all have six to $7,000 maintenance a year minimum, I would say. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, that's 70 grand right there.
1: Well, God, have a water heater go out. They're about three, four grand now. It seems like that. It's crazy what things cost, but it, it, it comes down to where, you know, what is your cost of ownership versus what does it cost you to stay there? You know, I think that's, you know, when you really, that's why a lot of people like to be a renter because then their cost is consistent. They don't have those extras, right? Um, they also don't make appreciation. But I think the a lot of the draw for a lot of people is, hey, it's, you know, $2,500 a month for, to rent this place. And that's it. And you know, versus if I own it and the water heater goes out, that's three grand extra this month, or the furnace goes out, that's twelve grand. Um, you know, or, well, I suppose it depends on how big your place is, but um, you know, it, it really does vary, and so there's cost versus expense. <laughs>
0: I always have a saying, Andy, you got to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. and uh, and it's very uh, good day to be able to talk about that, I think, um, because I think a lot of people you know, tell people that are doing their job or doing something good that they're just lucky. But I think you have to be, I mean you have to be good to get lucky. And then if you're lucky, if you're as and if you're good, you know, that luck is going to follow you. So I think that uh, I think that's a big thing. And I think we see that in real estate a lot. Um, and I talk about that a lot when we're selling houses and, and getting more money. And it's like, you know what? Oh, you were just lucky to be able to get that price and it just happened. Well, no, you know, h- how you set it up and what you did um, to kind of be able to get it there. Uh, there's There's some goodness in that as well. So I think you got to be good to be lucky. How about you?
1: I, I think you create your own luck a lot of times by just being tenacious um you know usually hard work will exceed uh, will exceed skill set so if you have somebody that's brilliant and they're lazy somebody that's hard working and kind of a little not as 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 brilliant cannot exceed that person because they're at bat more they're swinging the bat more right they're they're up there they're doing more they have more experience i'm a big believer in that and i, I think that there's something to be said for um like i was some of my younger guys on our team and gals they, they are. I'm like, Hey, you're smarter than me. You're better looking than me. But I, I challenge you to try to outrun me. I yeah. go, I run hard and I run all day long and all week. And I go that that's the difference. Right. So, you know, if you put the effort behind, you know, that, that's the only thing I can say about this industry is if any real estate agents are listening and you, you can't teach motivation, right. You either have it or you don't. And if you have motivation, you'll get luckier more often. Right. It's the way I kind of say it because you're at bat more when you swing the bat 10 times, one out of 10 times, you might hit a home run versus if you swing it once a year. It's not going to probably happen until you're 10, you know, and then you get another job.
0: I think there's something about this whole real estate industry that um, people think they just don't really have to do anything. And um, and it's. It's more hours than any other normal job is. I mean and I'm taking calls last night. I was taking calls till 9 30. you know as this morning I got a text at 6 30. I've got showings and closings all day and um, so there's a lot of you know and that's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's um, it's you, you have to work at it and it's not just a it's not just a, a simple thing and, and and luck just appears.
1: Right. So, well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales. I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, Lots of experience here, and I would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, REMAX Advantage Plus, thanks for listening to the show.
0: (laughs) I love the cover. What was
1: that number again? That guy sounded good.
0: (laughs) uh... Uh, 1-800-PRASKY. I think that's (laughs) what it it is. It should be what it is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh... All right, what's, what's next there, big boy? Good luck. One more time. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Um, I think you got uh, like the storage. I mean, if people uh, can't, if the recession's bad and they can't afford storage, (laughs) you know, they're gonna probably uh, get rid of that stuff or sell that stuff and not rent it out. So I, I'm not so sure about that one. They used Mobile to say the parks. same
1: thing about uh, barbers and beauty salons, that they were recession-proof as well. And then you get a recession like COVID where you can't go outside, and you, the whole theory gets blown. So, it, you know, I think that there's a need for storage when people live in small houses. I think as these people are transitioning into bigger houses, um, there's probably less pressure on storage. Um, but people that are in transition definitely need it. Um, you know, trailer parks are trailer parks. They're money makers because people just live there. And then they, they like the lifestyle. It's easy. It's simple. It's, um, you know, until your house falls apart and then you have to buy a new one. And I think most people that are a second time, maybe you buy a trailer for 25, 40,000, whatever it is, a used one. And then you go to buy a brand new one and it's almost 200,000. You start scratching your head going, what am I doing here? This thing's going to be falling apart in 15 years again. And I, I just wasted 200 grand on a, on a house that falls apart slowly. So you have those, to really maintain and
0: take care of that house to get, you know. The the mobile home park. I think that's kind of interesting. I look at yeah. my mom and dad are have one, um, you know, a vacation place down in uh, Mesa, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And it is $800 a month of yeah. rent. I mean, that's crazy.
1: That's why you want we, to own it.
0: Yeah. Well, they own, no, they own the house. They own all that. It's just the rent to keep it there. So that's lot, not yeah. any cost of that, but that's $800 a month.
1: I think that's what Nick's talking about there. Maybe he can speak up for himself. But um, in that situation, they're talking about being the rental, the owner of the mobile home park, not not living in a mobile home park.
0: Yeah, but how do you how do you afford that? I mean, seriously, if you're going to be in a $50,000 uh, mobile home park and you're paying $800 a month just for rent, I mean, what does that translate into getting a house?
1: Well, th- think about this for a second. How many units per acre can they get? Five or six units per acre at eight hundred bucks easily. Piece. Yeah. And so you're making you're making four or five thousand dollars an acre per month. Yeah. Holy crap. Do yeah. the math on that. That's some of the most luke that's better than farming. And farming is legal stealing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Legal stealing. They see
0: me rolling, patrolling, and trying to catch me right Trying to catch me right.
1: Oh, I love it. How cute was that? That was a cute one.
0: <laughs> I've seen a couple little plays off of that uh, on some social media stuff. And yeah. um, I don't know if we're quite at there yet. I mean, if you, if you think about it, it is, it's definitely costing us more and it's probably $20 a fill up uh, for most people that it's costing us. But I mean, well, so you,
1: you, Chris, have you seen diesel? I'm up to $5 a gallon. Cost oh, yeah. me a hundred and some bucks to fill my truck. So the other day I almost swerved off the road when I saw that I saw diesel was down to 439 a gallon on this. Yeah, I know. I was like, ah. uh, I didn't even too bad I didn't need it. I just filled my tank. I was like, crap, that's 50 cents a gallon cheaper than any place I've seen.
0: I told you on my little trip around the world or from here to Arizona was uh anywhere from three eighty nine to five twenty nine is what I paid for diesel. Wow. That was diesel. Yeah. That's and now crazy. it's it $4.99 here. It was less expensive. Gosh, where was it? Um, it was really weird. It was like a, just a short little area that it was like $4.39. And then everywhere else was like $4.99 to five twenty nine. dollars Yeah. So. I want to paint the ceilings white,
2: a lot of white, white cabinetry, white countertops, white backsplash, making it all
1: white. I want them a crisp white, white walls, white ceilings, white white paneling. I wanted a painted white brick exterior.
0: I hear that a lot though, Chris. Oh, yeah. I think that's a great play off of it. You know, that saying that there's something about to have a little color in there uh, does help, but you know, white 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 and on white and white is very um i mean unless there's white appliances those have gone in and out but when you have that you can kind of transition to every um you know with colors on the walls and stuff like that but it's kind of it's a it's a timeless color i mean it really is to be able to help it but um i think still,
1: still i don't i've never walked into an all white white everything and been like Ah, oh, I'm home. I can relax. I I, I just I feel that <laughs> yeah. I, I I can't stand it. I mean, now the other thing that is kind of crazy too is you look at new construction with wanting to do the black windows, which is a cool look, but man, are you asking for trouble when you're buying these windows? And a lot of these builders now are doing what they call a vinyl paint, where they're painting a white vinyl window black, and then what ends up happening is it it literally. Like, think about how much that vinyl will expand and contract. I don't care how good that paint is or melt it on there. Eventually, it's going to crack, right? Right. And you're going to have issues. And so that, to me, it's like, I I tell that to people and I go, let's put the trim around the windows black. Forget about the white frame of the window just for a second. You know, let's accent it with the trim that you can change later, right? Or something.
0: Hey, Andy, um, you know, obviously it's St. Patrick's Day. And we're doing that, but how about on the models that you guys are doing? Are you seeing green coming back? Because I am seeing shades of green that are coming back. What?
1: this? Is my analogy? Shades I don't of know. green are coming back. Oh, it
0: must be. Wow.
1: Well, Andy's analogy might be a little short and disappointing, children. Um. <laughs> no i I, uh, I I don't see green coming back I, I don't um the only time I see green is on the exterior of the houses and they're using like such a like a really dark spruce almost like a bluish green. Um, I'm seeing that on some of the vinyl sidings that are out there but I haven't seen a lot of green accents being brought back into the house with cabinets or you know flooring or anything like that.
0: Well I'm gonna help you on that then okay uh, Mr. Andy that uh, green is coming back and it's oh. huge in kind of the upper upper bracket stuff. Uh, and but it's it's not like, I mean it's it's not like a, a grass green. It's more like a, uh, gosh, I don't even know what kind of green it is, but it's 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 really subtle, but it's kind of taken away from where the blues were going. I mean because we were getting a lot of blues and stuff like that. And I think it had the same kind of, or it has the same kind of feeling of, you know, blue was bringing the sky in, and green yeah. is kind of bringing the grass in, kind of stuff, and the different colors. And it's more accenting versus, you know, you're not going to trim out your whole color in green, but you might do all your pantry cabinets in it. I'm actually going to be doing that in the house that I'm uh, remodeling right now, in in the pantry. I'm not I'm not daring enough to do it uh, in the main kitchen. But I'm yeah. I'm, I'm going to try it in there and just see how it goes and do it with kind of more of a butcher block kind of feel.
1: Yeah, you know, I think my mother did it best with decorating where she would take and use accent towels. Like she, she yeah. had pretty neutral colored like bathrooms and kitchens. And then St. Patrick's Day, she had a whole box and she'd hang all of her green, you know, towels everywhere yeah. or her little decorated themed whatever fun things. And then you can change the theme with the seasons. It's kind of fun. It's not permanent. Um, I, I I get a little nervous when you get that specific because I hate to say this, but green is just like orange or green is just like blue or whatever. I mean, and you're getting yourself into a, I hope it's trendy when I try to sell it. Um, you know, because somebody might walk in and go, oh my God, we got to redo this. Ooh, I hate green, right? Yeah. I, and I always ask people, how many shirts do you have in your closet that are green? Yeah. One? Two, one for St. Patrick's Day and then one for because your grandma bought it for you. And and I always say, <laughs> apply that to, to life, you know?
0: Well, Andy, I have a Bob Marley green shirt.
1: Shocker. Yep. Yeah. Uh, How'd that get in there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You have to... Uh... You have to document all money that you get. Um, and if you're if you're doing it any other way, you'd probably want to do it 90, day, 90 days before you are uh, applying for a mortgage because that's what they're kind of looking at is uh, 90 days back. And they just don't want to see it. And I mean, I've seen things called as low as $100. If it's an unusual yeah. unusual deposit, they will call it out. And if there's a pattern of it, they'll really call it out. So you got to be really careful about that.
1: I had this happen a couple of years back. We had a uh, a buyer, an executive coming to town from uh, Canada. And when their their uh, mother gave them a gift, and it was transferred into their account. It literally, we had to season it for 90 days before they could let it count. So we had to sit there and wait 90 days to close on this house or so they wouldn't be the buyer. But we, you know, for fortunately for them, we figured it out. But it was, you know.
0: Here's how crazy I had one. A five hundred and twenty dollars um, deposit, mm-hmm. and it was it was birthday gift money, mm-hmm. but they didn't put it in around their birthday, and so then they're like, "Well, that's we can't count that money because they could they didn't think it was birthday money." This person said it. It was probably about not even a month, not even a month from their birthday, they wouldn't take it. So,
1: that's why you always want to cash stuff, Chris. Carry around Tupperware bowls of cash.
0: Cash, yeah, so it's just you nobody just buy knows what it. that is
1: anymore. Everybody's like, "Cash? Why would you do that?" And I'm like, it avoids tons of problems when you have cash. Yeah. My- how about new? <laughs> oh, rocket wh- mortgage one more time. I'm gonna be a rocket.
0: <laughs> I mean, and sometimes those those deals are really good, but I'll tell you what. I mean, in the in the competitive world of offers right now, they kind of the online stuff kind of hurts you for the plain fact that we just have no one to really talk to or or make accountable. And people worry about that. You know, if it's rocket, who's doing 7 million loans a month and you're one of them and your financing is a little tight or a little, little off. Um, it's a, it's a hard thing to get past. Let
1: me, let me give you some advice as a buyer. If you use an online lender, your odds of your acceptance in a multiple offer situation goes down about 85%, period. Yeah. They they take those offers and go, ooh, online, yuck.
0: Or People Andy, there's ways like,
1: to... They want brick and mortar. They want to know that you're a local bank or somebody they can talk to, like Chris just said, somebody they can reference that, yes, I validated their accounts. I'm a professional. I've been doing this for years. And this buyer is a great buyer for you as a seller. And that makes all the difference in the world when you're comparing two offers that look identical and the one lender you leave a voicemail for that's online somewhere in some other state on a call center and versus the other one that calls you back and says hey what can i help you with
0: yeah we have um uh, a thing in a purchase agreement called a commitment date and what that does is it basically states that there's a date in which that their financing is going to be complete and or they're accepting any of the downfalls of it not being complete. So if you, uh, in a situation with a rocket mortgage or whatever, an online type thing, what we do is we typically will move, if we're accepting that deal, we'll move that uh, commitment date up. So we might put it three weeks before closing because typically where you have the problem with the online stuff is at the closing. And all of a sudden at the closing, Oh, it's not done or the money's not getting here. We we can't get a hold of anyone because it, it goes from one department to the next department and then you're starting all over. And that's usually the problem. So if we can get that commitment date earlier, you know, and these people can't close, at least you're getting their earnest money. Right. So you're staying, you're staying, you're gone. Sorry, wasn't sure about you. Um, but I'm gonna to tip towards gone. So gone. One of you two has been rejected. Who do you think it is?
2: Wrong. It's you. You're in. You're in. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what. Um, there's a lot of uh, realtors kind of controlling that as well, which is really sad. Um, and trying to make the decisions uh, for their seller. I mean, it is our job to give our clients the information to make that decision. But it's not our job to make that decision and be throwing out the offers that we don't think are are, are good enough. Um, because Mm -hmm. the one time you start throwing that stuff out and your seller finds out about it, or it's a friend of a friend and why didn't you look at mine? I never saw your offer. Why, why wouldn't I see your offer? Yeah, you can't, you can't do that. (laughs) You know, every offer has to be presented.
1: Right. Like, like when I get into some of these multiple offers where we'll have, you know, 16 to 18 offers, which by the way, as a listing agent, we should charge an extra percent for because, By the time we organize all those offers, put them all together, the admin time behind that is ridiculous. And it gets to a point of where, because I do agree with you a million percent, I make sure that every single offer is presented. I make sure that all the terms are presented fairly. Because what's interesting, Chris, is like, I'll sit there and say, oh, these are the top three over here. And sometimes people will favor something that I never even thought about, but it's and remember. It's our job to present them with the facts so that they can make a decision that's right for them. Right. So what I think may influence them, but it my decision doesn't matter. Like you're saying, so as a real estate agent, get out of my own way, give them all the facts. We do an offer summary worksheet where it shows every offer and then we put them side by side and then I'll take them intentionally and say, okay, in your house in this condition, this kind of financing will be trickier for us. Would you guys like to review these offers, go through them? And they're like, yes, I agree, okay. And then we go over here. Now, if the offers on this stack are not as attractive as over here, then I start saying things like, well, does anybody have an appraisal guarantee for you? Because I don't think the offer that this FHA person put in there is gonna even come close to appraising near the offer price they offered. It's almost a strategy like, hey, I know it's gonna appraise for 300, let's offer 350, tie the property up, make them think we're going to give them 350, but there's an escape clause on the uh, financing addendum that says if it does not hit that purchase price, they have the right to cancel. No questions asked. Think about that. So now you've tied up your property trying to chase after money that doesn't even really exist. So a good agent will lay it out and say, "Hey, here's your guaranteed money, here's your guaranteed closing dates, here's your guaranteed earnest money. Now, let's make a decision based on, you know, validity, you know, proven Here's where we should go, you know.
0: I've had before mind. where I've had before where agents call up after a house is closed and they see what it closes for, and yeah. say, "Well, we are willing to pay more than that," you know. But it's not everything's just about price. There's so many more things to it. And Andy, you're 100 right. Is that it's it doesn't matter what you say if it's not going to close. It's got to close. Right. Then that's where you get the money. So to me. Um, and then, no, you well, yeah, you but have, you know what well, yeah, I say I back involved. to those
1: people, I say, Well, then why were you such a jackass on your offer when we told you all the offers were due? Your best offer was due by five o'clock tonight. Why didn't you give me your best offer then? If you would have paid that, you should have offered that. So I'm gonna say, uh, fooey, you wouldn't have offered that anyway.
0: Let's talk about offers. I think yeah. that's I think that's interesting when you get offers, uh, in this market. You know, uh, it's it's very interesting, and you can sometimes tell if people haven't quite lost enough, and then you can tell really if they've lost a lot. But there's sometimes that it's not always something that's fifty thousand over wins. It's just it's just not. I know. You know, you can you can be in multiple offers and have you know seven, eight, nine offers, and the highest price is ten thousand dollars over. Yeah, I mean, it really can be. Well, Chris, you
1: know, and I I always look at that too, and I go, you know, when it comes right down to looking at offers side-by-side, sometimes it's not always the price, guys, like you're saying. Sometimes it is the closing date. Sometimes it is the way the offer is written. Um, Maybe they even saw the people walking into the house when they had a showing, and they have three little girls, and even though that's not right, unfortunately, they saw it, and they want to favor it because they had three little girls. And, you know, all those little things that I always say I try to keep away from because You know, you don't want to have any kind of um, uh, we don't want to touch any of the protected discriminatory classes, which basically everything's covered. So you kind of want to have an offer where you almost don't even have their names on the offer because you should be picking the offer based on credibility, closing date, price, guarantees, earnest money. Right. And not, you know, oh, whatever the wrong reason is that they chose you.
0: Andy, you know what else I've seen lately? is that, I mean, with social media, obviously you can go find out who the seller is or who the buyer is and all that. And uh, I've had now that people, they don't know my seller at all, but they know someone that knows them. And then all of a sudden it's a phone call from that person to them. say, oh, my good friend is looking to purchase your house. And they're so, you know, they're so excited about it and this and that, and trying to get them in that Mm -hmm. way which is kind of say, interesting boy, that's another dynamic what's that should have worked with me
1: directly you could have called me i uh yeah
0: no but i mean after it's listed they don't even know if they know this person right then all of a sudden you know you have uh, mutual acquaintances but i think it's kind I, I of guess, it's interesting i just I, I was had one ha- years old when my family started in real estate where both my parents were agents they also dabbled in investing in real estate rentals flips and construction After college I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence and with confidence comes results. I think he was. I think he was um, totally uh, discriminated against. Your father. You had a great comment about your father. We never got to hear it. What was it, Andy? What was that? What were you going to say? Oh, day? I was just
1: saying we just had an offer that um, they. He was. He he didn't know how to reject their offer because they're on the hockey team that his kids is on. They're on the same hockey team, and he saw their names and goes, "Oh my god." They're on the same hockey team as my children. Um, how can I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we got to fucking. For those party. listeners, Andy he just got, got covered uh, up there. Just not paying attention today.
0: We're totally, we're totally bucking the system right now, Andy.
1: So uh, hockey you know, players, kind of hockey, hockey, hockey. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it was hockey players. Let's go on to the question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Okay, we got something here on Facebook. Annual reminder to check your property tax valuations, which went out to residents on 311. I know, I got them. I don't like it. Uh, if you don't appeal the values in a timely manner, you're stuck with the value. For instance, the county is trying to assess our property as going up 35% since last year and 40% in two Oh, wow. Second time in three years we've had to appeal because the assessment blatantly is trying to uh, screw clients over. They're well, asking you know what? How- one
1: thing I would... One thing I'd say about that, Chris, real quick, look at the tax obligation. Cause sometimes the tax obligation doesn't go up just because the value does they use a formula. So if you're paying $8,000 on your, on your property right now, and it jumps up 40% in value, but you only go up to 8,100, verify that too. There's a, they do generally use a formula. And what they do is they try to keep up with values because if you don't, then nobody values the, their, or they don't respect the, the, the formula. So they have to kind of keep close, but not at, you know.
0: I think I think sometimes that's a trick by the counties too, and trying to take advantage of a market to get you up there. So you see that your value is there. But then when taxes go up more later on in subsequent years, uh, they kind of got you. But I think yeah. there is, I think, you know, for um, people out there, us, us taxpayers that have houses that are doing them, and we're seeing our tax values go up. I mean, our values are higher. You know, and it's always used to be, I remember uh, my mom and dad talking about this, is that when they would list houses back in the 70s and uh, 80s, it was all about your tax value. Whatever your tax value was, we'd list it about 10% higher. So if it was 90000 the list price was typically $99,000. And and that's how it went. And now, I mean, it's all over the place. People don't even look at that anymore because it's so far off.
1: I was going to say, so that's why you see a lot of the very wealthy when they're buying their houses, they don't record a mortgage. They'll use unsecured monies to close on the house. And then they report to the county that, you know, oh, they spent 500,000 on their house. Roughly their house is valued at 500. They may have 3 million into it. So that's why the tax assessor doesn't take your word for it. And they actually want to come out and look at it. But here's the advantage of that. I've I've sat there for years and I got a buddy of mine that did this where he bought the exact same house as the neighbor across the street, okay? And the neighbor across the street's house is being valued at 710,000, theirs is at 590. Because when he built his house, when they started at the same line, what he did was he actually paid a ton of it out of his pocket to the builder, so it closed at a lower price. Same house, should be the same value, but these guys recorded a mortgage that was higher. So what happens is these guys get screwed up at the county level because they don't, care and or know enough to say oh we should catch this you know a three thousand square foot house on the same street should be the same value they don't look at it that way they look at when you close and then they keep using these formulas and so th- this ratio is still going like this and it hurts this guy when he tries to sell because now it just shows he's organically less but in theory he won the game because he saved thousands of dollars in taxes over the years that you know basically disappear in the wind
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. That's the other thing with property taxes that a lot of people um, don't understand because most people escrow their taxes. So every month they're paying the taxes in. But for yeah. those who don't know is that taxes are paid May 15th and October 15th. Now, this is interesting. The May 15th payment is for January through July 1st. And the October 15th payment is July 1st till the end of the year. So when we have per agreements, and we talk about proration of taxes, you know, there's sometimes if you close like uh, November 1st and it's a cash deal, you paid all of your taxes for the whole year on October 15th. So what happens is that that buyer now has to pay you back for November and December. And so it's it's kind of a, it, it's a really interesting thing, but a lot of people uh, are screwed up with that and, and how yeah. that works. And the other thing that they do is that they value your your house and your taxes for the following year, so whatever it is there, January first of 2022 is what your taxes will be in 2023, and that'll be based on whether it's homestead or non-homestead and what those values are. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of a uh, lot of catching up when it comes to property taxes.
1: It, I know an assessor would never come on the show, but I think that'd be a real interesting um, question and answer uh, yeah. for a lot of people.
0: Or someone I, who I still hear from audit. people
1: talking about like, well, I'll never live on a corner because you pay double taxes. Yeah. And I go, you don't. But when there's an assessment for sidewalk and you've got a sidewalk on two sides of you, for an example, and they decide to put in a new sidewalk, you may be double assessed for the assessment, but not necessarily for, you know, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Nope. Totally. Andy's so good at story time. Uh, uh, yeah. I think we're 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 supposed to talk about um, different myths that help people sell their houses, burying statues, okay. you know th- those kind of things. Yeah. Have you ever had someone that's done something um, kind of crazy in which to be able to get their household or what they think it is?
1: Oh I, I have it I uh you know back in when the markets were a little more superstitious um in the sense that they weren't selling necessarily right away and there was there was actually value put on the marketing that was put into the houses like you know when they when there was a difference like instead of everybody selling in 90 days you were selling houses in 30 that was where then some superstitious um things would come in and they'd bury the statue upside down with the legs sticking out of the ground and the whole you know I mean that kind of fun stuff um I've had other people do um, religious prayers where they, you know, they burn incense and they, they, you know, so different cultures have different beliefs on that stuff too. Um, but you know, ultimately at the end of the day, again, luck comes to those that usually work hard. And so if you work hard on preparing your house and you take the, and this isn't a competitive market, not necessarily right now, actually, I hate to say this, but I wish we'd go back to more of a 30, 60 day market because, those 30 to 60 day markets, everybody's a little more calm. Um, it gives you a chance to actually prepare your house and you can shop. So we go out and let's say there's 10 houses for sale within a mile instead of one. Right. So we go out there and we actually shop your competition before you list your house. So you can position your house properly. So, you know, like, hey, if they look at these other 10, we're going to beat them because we're doing this, 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 this. And at our open house, we're going to cook chocolate chip cookies and, you know, and have a little fun, whatever. Yeah. Those kind of things, that little effort, that little touches, the little fresh flowers on the counter, the little things that make people feel special. I would say, pretend you're having a dinner party. And, and like nowadays we treat people like they're going into the state fair. Show me your ticket, come on in, come on in, come on in. And they run around your house and it's crazy and there's nobody cares. And it, it's a joke. It, it, the market is really a, a sad joke. Um, when you get to a market where it's a 30 to 60 day market, People come in, do showings, have a chance to absorb the space, buy the house for the right reasons because it fits their needs, their family's needs. It's in the right location. Um, then you can't be a sloppy seller. Right now, we got so many sloppy sellers that just don't care. They throw their house up for sale. They got dirty carpet, holes in the walls because their their they're real estate agents are saying it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, throw it up for sale, don't matter.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, how about Barry and the old Saint Joseph?
1: That's, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, Saint yeah. Joseph.
0: And you bury, you it, up, bury it upside down with his
1: feet out of the ground.
0: Yeah. I had one person that, um, had, um, like sage, uh, someone brought in sage and, and blessed their house before, yep. uh, to give it good vibes, uh, yep. in, in which to sell. And, crystals. Uh, he, what's that? Yeah. The oh crystals. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then there's some real big beliefs on, and what do you think of this, Andy? Um, what you cook and what your house smells like from a, from a luck standpoint, like a lot of people do bread and or cookies. Um, I think that's
1: science brother. I don't think that's luck. I think when you attract somebody with their nose and you make them think about, Oh, this would be a fun place to have dinner. That smells great. You know, like fresh bread or something like that. That's kind of a hug. You know, it gives you a little hug. Um, Those are the kind of things that make people feel at home. And Definitely. and that's what I think right now a lot of people are forgetting is that that's what we're selling is somebody's new home to them. And they should be excited and they should have those kind of feelings and that attachment to that house. Um, you know, other than just the panic, 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 scramble, scramble, scramble. Oh, my God, we got one. What does it look like? I forgot. Yeah. Right.
0: I had I had one. Gosh, it must have been, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, at least. And uh, it wasn't in the in the greatest market. So we didn't have a ton of showings. And their big thing was, and they did, had done it before, was cooked homemade bread, like thick, really good smelling bread. And what this lady would do is she would cook that and, and put it out warm with a whole big slab of butter and, and a knife and, and for those people to be able to have it at their house. And I'll tell you what. It, the crazy thing was, is that's the most feedback I got was the, thank you so much. But they did call back and we were able to find out more um, about that. But it was interesting because this person had done it a couple times before and it worked for him and that's what they're going to do. But it was basically doing a new bread every time that uh, a buyer would mm-hmm. come in. Big slab with a, a big hunk of butter.
1: That sounds awesome. Um, yeah. That, yeah. Hence my cheeks. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the other one that we had a couple years back was, I thought was brilliant the way they did this. And I learned from my, my seller, cause I've always said like, Hey, you know, b- pretend they're guests. So somebody comes over, it's after work, it's five 30, they're hungry, their kids are screaming and yelling, having a couple bottles of water out or having some little snacks that they could sit and eat, um, you know, little cookie packages or whatever used to be very popular. So my client took it one step farther when we were selling a house over on the Elm Creek Park uh, over here in Champlin and they actually said, you know, hey, they're coming right about sunset. So I called the listing agent and says, "Hey, um why don't you guys come right about sunset? Um you know, come early if you want. We got a little treat for you guys." And so they were all excited to come to the second showing cuz there was a treat, and we put a note that says, "Hey, next to the where the water bottles where we said, "Hey, go out on the deck, uh, we have a nice treat for you. And then they left a very personalized note that said, hey, you know, we want you guys to enjoy the house with our favorite time of the day, with our favorite wine. Here's a beautiful, you know, Chardonnay, um, ready to go, a couple glasses. And they go have a glass of wine and watch the sunset like we have for years and fall in love with the house just like we did. Oh my God, these people were like all over it. It was not even a question if they wanted it. They're like, they love the seller just because the sellers are classy. They cared about their feelings. They wanted them to enjoy the house like they did. So all these positive vibes went into the purchase. That's the way it should be. You know, all this panic, panic, scramble, scramble bullshit, excuse my French, but it's bullshit. And, and nowadays the market, the way it is, is making people bitter when they're buying houses. It's sad, you know, it really is.
0: Hey, did you feel good about swearing there? Because you never could do it on the radio.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't, you know. You, you wanted to.
0: Any- I think we had to cut you off a few times. The
1: old. The are we were talking about no.
0: gu- guaranteed sales or something. We talk about the old, the old <laughs> eight second delay. Yeah, exactly. Uh-oh, it's quiz time. Uh-oh, Andy. What, what, Who goes why first? Do
1: you, why does your kid hate us? He why does. does Nick hate us?
0: But I think he's got Minnesota questions this time. Okay. Andy's first.
1: In order to establish a marketable uh, record and title in Minnesota, an unbroken chain of title must be established for the period of at least
0: 40 years. C. see. let see. Yep. Oh,
2: Okay, hold on one second.
0: Uh, we got him. We're so Pat. He wasn't expecting we'd know this. do the answer without reading it. Look at that. Correct. Nice. Woo-hoo. Nice. Okay. Oh, the meaning of quiet title action, foreclosure, an action to quiet a noisy, noisy tenant, a uh, court action to remove cloud on the title, purchasing property through a dummy transaction. That would be C. Mm-hmm. Remember how dumb we were before Andy? Now we're two for two.
1: Yeah. When he gave us that test on Australian real estate.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Jesus.
1: The general term value means a goodbye, the function of an object, the, a- the average use and function of an object to all people, the worth, uh, usefulness or utility of an object, someone uh, for some purpose. I, w- I. What do you think, Chris D?
0: Oh, The The worth,
1: usefulness, or utility utility of an object. They're
2: working together. What? The general true
1: value means the worth, usefulness, or utility of an object. I'm going to go with D, I think.
0: Attaboy. Attaboy. Okay, because the housing market deals with many different types of desires and needs, it's said to be fractured, structured, stratified, fractionated. What? Okay, because the housing market deals with many different types of desires and needs.
1: Fractionated.
0: Hey.
2: Stratified means different levels. People acquire property for a specific purpose, such as residential, business, investment, agricultural, and industrial. Therefore, demands fall within certain definable levels.
0: Hey, is this high school again, where we can retake 10 times? Hey, I don't know about you, Chris,
1: but I'm going to slip the word stratified into a sentence today with a client. (laughs) Totally. I was uh, stratified about your house last night. Exactly. uh, What? (laughs) that's not used correctly you're using it incorrectly um okay uniform settlement statement required by the real estate settlement procedures act uh by law shall be delivered or mailed to the borrower no uh later than i believe it's three calendar days correct
0: business days you just said oh now you guys are and there's a three out. day
1: holding period on on that stuff. I must have read it wrong. My bad.
0: Okay, you're, you're, thinking of a wrong. you're thinking of a closing disclosure. Okay, yeah, that's what yeah. I thought it said. All right, the tax assessment role showing the assessed value of the property and area. Oh, we had we talked about this would be used to establish the tax rate, establish a tax base for the community, equalize the taxes paid by the owners in that area, or determine the proportion shared by each property owner. The tax assessment role—the role is got what's got me. Um, I'm going with D. I think it's B. I think you're right too, but I'm going. What is it? B. Remember, I was saying that how they
1: they oh, can well. raise the value to establish the the base, but it doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily pay more in taxes proportionally. It it everybody thinks that's what it means because yeah. they. They spread it out over the whole community. So if the let's say the community goes from 30 million to 35 million of value. They spread out the amount that they have over the 35 million versus the 30 million. It.
2: Okay, Chris minus two. Although, otherwise you're saying I was
0: wrong. That's what you're saying.
2: Andy minus one, Chris minus two.
1: Okay, a properly drawn purchase agreement signed by the prospective buyer of real estate To be submitted to the seller is um, an offer, a valid contract. A properly drawn purchase agreement is a valid contract, yes. Binding an enforceable contract. Um, Boy. I'd say it's an offer.
0: 100%. I mean, why don't you ask them, what what does a Dalmatian have on its skin? I mean, my um, God, the easy ones. Accrued depreciation is mostly nearly a sinking fund. Uh The total depreciation of an improved to date, the amount of depreciation that takes place in a year, the amount of depreciation that the owner estimates will take place within accrued, it's uh, number B. You said D or B? B? I said D. B as in boy.
1: Way to go, Chris. You're at 50%, buddy. That's I, awesome. Andy, you gotta
0: you gotta screw up here, Andy. So that yeah, I can if Andy you. gets this, he wins.
1: Well, I will screw up intentionally then because I love my buddy Chris. Okay. A broker is required to keep his principal uh informed of all material facts. A broker who holds a listing from a a broker holds a listing from the seller must disclose which of the following facts, which when presenting an offer. Um, This is actually a real question. Okay. This is like what it's like when you take real estate questions. So I
0: think it's from the broker exam. So the, I took that I took in 1996, not, by the way,
1: the purchaser is not a Caucasian race. Ooh, that'd be a safe bet. Um, The So it's so the broker holds. I'm sorry. Can you zoom back out? What is the so the broker holds back a list? Is there a time frame on this? Broker who holds back a listing from the seller must disclose which of the following facts when presenting.
0: This is obviously not jeopardy. You got all buyers, uh,
1: lenders, isn't cooperative broker must be presenting a high (laughs) offer. Um. A cooperating broker must be present- presenting a higher offer in one day. Lenders in- I'm going to say D, none of the above. Uh, dang it. I think he's right.
0: Oh. oh. Yes. Okay. All right.
1: What is it? Oh, so wait a minute.
0: oh! I thought that said that they were presenting a higher offer tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah.
0: Uh, two oh minutes, well. Two.
1: well, I guess we should learn to read, Chris. It yeah, would help a contractor
0: in Minnesota would consider. Well, you had enough time. You should have read it ten times.
1: Well, I couldn't a read; time- You kept moving the damn screen around. Okay, to- I, <laughs> I know. Like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look Whoa. at mine. Mine's mine's straight. <laughs> a contractor in Minnesota would consider the following to be an indirect expense in the construction of an improvement: labor, material, any subcontractor, a building permit. An indirect expense. Any subcontractors gotta D. be. See, see. Put...
2: All right, here we go. Oh, Andy is the winner.
0: Oh, oh damn. Did I even get any right, for God's sakes?
1: Ooh. No, but you did score a solid 40%, I think, on your answers, Chris. We, uh, we.
0: I... I think I was 33%, maybe. No, five out of five. Yeah, 40%. I was 40%. Uh,
1: I think I got to call in sick next week. Back to school. Back to
0: school. Back to school.
1: I'm not in the minds. I got to drink one more coffee. Yeah.
0: Too bad this show's over. We have to get this over with and forget about it.
2: What do you guys think of this meme? <laughs>
1: who, who took my picture without my permission?
0: <laughs> Wait. Where did that come from?
2: Uh, that's funny awesome hey another great show make sure to give us a review on spotify itunes uh even facebook we post three digestible clips a week give us a like a thumbs up and uh have a great week bye-bye all right see you boys